Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. We have started every message in this series the same way, and we will start every message in this series the same way. Because while it is a real temptation to think, oh, this week, that's a, it's a great week, that's a great set of men. I tell you what, you know, I know somebody needs to hear this. Well, guys, evidently you are somebody that needs to hear this because the Lord knew you'd be here today. So as it turns out, we need the word of God. Amen. It's not just our neighbor that we sit there. Don't look at the person next to you. I know they, they need the word of God, too. But don't don't just be like. No, we always have asked in every one of these messages we're going to continue is, Lord, am I the difficult person in somebody else's life? And do I have these, whatever we're looking at that particular night, tonight we're going to be looking at people who just have a need to talk, gossip. Next week, we're going to be looking at how do we deal with a narcissist. For those of you that don't know the, the, the definition of narcissist, that is somebody whose entire world revolves around themselves. I mean, they are, they are the sun in their universe and everything just revolves around them. How do we love them well? Tonight we're going to talk about people who just have this need to talk. But guys, I want you to understand, nothing in this series is an all or nothing proposition. Everything's on a sliding scale. And you know what? You can have a little bit of tendencies. You can have a little bit of this in you and not be all the way full-fledged. So let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we go through this and say, Lord, is this, is this me? Is this sometimes me? And if it is, Lord, kind of prick my heart. Lord, kind of bring it to my remembrance. And, and thank you, God, that we're not having an altar call at the end of this service where I have to come forward and tell people it was me. I can just deal with it in my heart. And, and all God's people say, amen. Amen. All right. Now, tonight... We're going to deal with something that the Bible specifically calls a sin. And guys, I, this is the weirdest sin I think exists in the church today. Because this sin is more prevalent. It is more, out, I mean, it's everywhere. How many of y'all know you can't get a job without there being job buzz? Job talking, job people. It used to be around a water cooler. Now it's text or social media or something. You can, does anybody here a part of the Facebook group, We Love Troy? Does anybody on that group love Troy? I'm telling you, that is the worst Facebook group. I just go on there and, I mean, I honestly, I go on there and I get a bowl of popcorn. I'm just like, just watching, seeing who's going to land a who. I mean, it's just, guys, everywhere you go, there is people talking about people. And what's crazy about this is that Christian people will tolerate this both out of themselves and out of each other. And guys, the Bible lists this in lists with mortal sins. The Bible lists this right up next to what many, many, many of us would call the big sins, the bad sins. The, the sexual immorality and the perversion and the murder and, and all these things are listed in the same list. And then it says the next, I mean, it's comma gossip. But we don't put it in that same category. 
I mean, if somebody came in here and they were a, a, a pedophile and they, they, they molested children, we would see that very differently than, well, now you know, Marge just has a little bit of a problem with her tongue. She just talks. She's got a sharp tongue now. Guys, the Bible puts it in the same breath. It puts it in the same list. And so, as a tool of the devil, this one is a relationship wrecker. All kinds of relationships. I'm talking about marriage relationships. I'm talking about close relationships. I'm talking about friends. So we're going to start tonight looking at the seriousness of it. We, I just wanted to impress upon you that this is not uh, uh, one of the good... It, well, this is like telling a white lie, Pastor. I don't know who told you that. I don't know who told you there was any such thing as a white lie. There is not. There's lying and then there's the truth. And a lie is a lie. And a lie by implication is a lie. I've known all kinds of people who, well, I never actually said it, Pastor. But you led me to believe that that was a, guys, it's still a lie. And this one is serious. Look what the Bible says. A perverse person spreads strife. And a gossip separates even close friends. Friends, real friends, true friends are not easy to come by. And real friendships should be protected, even fought for. But look what the Bible says. A gossip will separate even close friends. Gossip destroys unity. Amen? Amen? Right. It's true. Y'all, anybody here lived long enough to know that gossip will destroy unity? I want to read you an entire psalm. Now, before any of y'all go, oh my gosh, we're going to sit through a whole psalm. Well, there it is. Three verses, but Psalm 133. Behold how good, how pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. It's like the precious oil, the anointing oil on the head, running down the beard and on, as on Aaron, the high priest's beard, the oil which ran down upon the edge of his robes. The image we're getting here, guys, is an unbroken path for the anointing of God. This is not just, well, they poured oil on his head, and, and, and then the Bible talks about oil on his head, which runs down his beard, then gets to the robe and runs all the way to the hem. What it's talking about here is an unbroken string, an unbroken path for the anointing of God. The oil of, that they're talking about here is the anointing, and runs down all the way to the edge, the hem of his robe. It is like... The dew of Hermon. Now, any of y'all know who Hermon is? Hermon's not a person. It's a mountain. Sorry, I was just getting around. This is not Munster. This is a different Hermon. <laughs> it's like the dew of a Hermon. Now, what's crazy about this, I heard George Wood, uh, before he went on be with the Lord, our, our general superintendent, George Wood, he had been to Israel a number of times. And the crazy thing is, Mount Hermon is in line with the Mediterranean Sea, but it's inland. It's not right on the edge of the water. And so for the moisture to get from the Mediterranean Sea across the desert to the top of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon doesn't get due, but one, maybe two times a year tops. And when Mount Hermon 
gets due, all of a sudden, all this wonderful flower, wildlife, all this stuff springs to life. But it only happens once, maybe twice a year. It is rare. It is precious. And when that dew makes, that moisture makes it all the way across the desert to get to the top of Mount Hermon, it is such a refreshing. It's such a... And guys, the Bible says unity is like the dew on top of Mount Hermon coming down from the mountains of Zion. For there, and get this, this is, the, this is the thing I want you to get about this. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing. There. Where? In unity. Guys, there is a commanded blessing in unity. There's not just a blessing that comes with unity. There's not just, well, isn't it a nice thing? We read that first line and we think, oh, it's pleasant. It's good. No, 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 no. This is a... And guys, when God commands a blessing, nothing can stop it. When God commands a blessing, you don't have to merit it. How many of y'all know there are a lot of promises in the Word of God that if you will do this, then the Lord will bless you like this. Amen. This is not an if-then. This one is not. This one is if you will get in unity, the commanded blessing comes in unity. And so, guys, we have got to protect and fight to keep the unity. That's what the New Testament says. Protect the bond of unity. Unity is something, and guys, I've been pastor here for seven years now. I know, does that not, that's the quickest seven years of my life. It just does not, how many of y'all remember the day we came? Some of y'all were here, I remember the day we got here. It has been seven years. Last Sunday, actually, was our seventh anniversary. First Sunday in June was when we came 2016. I am, I am what I would call a very, my, my mother-in-law called me, Hail Fellow Well Met. It's a Shakespeare quote, and it means that I'm generally very sunny. I'm generally up, I'm generally joking, I'm generally... A lot, most times I have a smile. Most times I'm pretty easy to deal with. I, and there are very few people in this church who've ever seen me come out of the chute or be angry. But if you'd like to see me get angry, start being divisive because I'll come out of the chute. It's the only thing I have ever come out of the chute for. But you know what? The day is coming as pastor of this place that the Lord is going to ask me and require of me, how did you take care of my bride? And before I will let anybody, anybody, come in here and start tearing up the church and start tearing up unity. And, and Bible, the Bible says there are seven things that God hates. And the last one, the one that is in the place of emphasis in the scripture, is a guy or a woman that sows discord among the brethren. That's the last one in the list of the seven things God hates. So hear me say, I don't want to be doing anything God hates. I mean, there are some things God is displeased with, some things he doesn't like. But, it, you know, that list of things he hates, mm -mm. and he hates people who sow discord. Now, look at what Proverbs says, because it's not just a sin that affects the sinner. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare for his own soul. 
So if you're gossiping, you trap yourself. How many of y'all know somebody? Please don't raise your hand, but I just want to ask you so that you can think. How many of you know somebody who, honest to goodness, can't keep their mouth shut about other people's business? And those people wish they had close relationships, but nobody trusts them. Nobody will be close to them. Certainly nobody would tell them anything. Anybody know somebody like that? I know people like that. And the very thing they wish they had their behavior works against. You see what I'm saying? If you don't control your mouth, it's going to be your ruin. And your lips will snare or trap your soul. But it's not just the gossiper that gets poisoned. Look at what this scripture goes on to say. The words of a gossiper, ooh, they like dainty morsels. How many of y'all know, even our language today, we talk in biblical language when we quote unquote kiddingly say, well, what's the latest gossip? Is there anything juicy? Have y'all ever heard somebody describe gossip as juicy? You got details? Well, what's the juicy details? It's dainty morsels, guys, but look what it says. Don't kid yourself. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. The poison is not just the gossiper. If you listen to somebody else gossiping, you are opening your own soul to be poisoned. I just got, I mean, I got to be straight with you guys. This is, there's a reason this is a big deal. So it poisons you and poisons the talker. There is a danger. There's a warning for the listener as well. You can't hear things like this. And I love this. It goes down into the innermost parts. If you were to read this in Hebrew, the imagery we get here is of a wood boring insect. Any of y'all know what a wood boring That is the nastiest. You know what I'm talking about? These things that just, just do like this. Gnaw and chew and work their way deeper and deeper. But you let those things you let them be and let them do their work and all of a sudden the wood itself loses its structural integrity that's the imagery the Bible's trying to give us gossip is like a wood boring insect that if you harbor it in your own soul you can say all day long pastor I don't repeat it I don't gossip I don't say it. if you listen you're opening up your own soul to the destructive wood boring insect about this. So there's danger for both people. Now, just so we're talking about the same thing, I want to give you two quick definitions of what gossip is. Free the Free Dictionary defines gossip as rumor or talk of a personal, sensational, or intimate nature. Personal, sensational, oh, this is, this, you won't want to hear this, or intimate. You know what intimate is? If it ain't yours, it ain't your business. That's intimate. Now I'm sure if you're here and you're an adult and you have a spouse, you have an intimate life. But I don't want to know anything about it. It ain't none of my business. Ain't no, I don't want to get in it. No, -uh. no. Intimate. That means private. Basically, this can be summed up in three Mississippi words. Not your business. Not yo 
business. B-I-D-N-I-S. Not your business. It's not your business, then hush. You don't need to share details to be able to pray. Watch right here. Well, please be praying for Heather. She's got some stuff going on there. Prayer request done. That's enough. Pray, pray for Heather. She's got some stuff going on. Well, Pastor, do you know more? Of course I know more. Not your business. And how many of y'all know? We have a Holy Spirit, which means we can not only pray in English, and the Lord already knows what we're praying about, but we can pray in tongues. We can pray real specific for Heather, and our understanding is unfruitful. That's what the New Testament says. So I personally like Dave Ramsey's definition of gossip. When a negative is discussed with anybody who can't solve the problem. If you're talking about something negative, and you're talking about it with somebody that can't fix it, Dave Ramsey says, you get one strike. And if you work for Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey has 200 some odd employees working at Ramsey Solutions is the name of his company. You get one strike. Other than that, he says, I will fire you so quick over this. If you are discussing something that you with somebody that can't fix it, if you're not going up the chain of authority and going to somebody who can fix it, keep your mouth shut. It, Dave Ramsey says, you take the problem up the food chain, somewhere in leadership so they can help you fix the problem, solve the problem, fund the answer to the problem. <coughs> but be clear, the receptionist can't fix this for you. So dropping by and leaning on her desk with a cup of coffee saying, did you hear about the new sales program? I don't really think that's going to work. That is a fireable offense. It's like your wife or your husband talking to your kids about your marriage troubles, trying to win them over. If you're having trouble with your wife or you're having trouble with your spouse, you, it is absolutely unproductive for either of you to go to the kids and say, you just won't believe what your mother said now. You don't believe what your mother's doing now. Guys, no, you share. If you've got to share, you share up the chain with somebody that can fix it. You need a litmus test. First is, is this in any way my business? Second, can I do anything about it? Can I solve it? If the answer to both those is no, then you shouldn't allow somebody to tell you. If you come to me with an issue and I have no way to help or to fix it, I'll stop you. I'll stop you. I mean, I have learned it. It's funny because I got to thinking, working on this message, I got to thinking that I've served with pastors who really believe that you just don't go talking out of school. And as it turns out, every pastor I've ever served with. It's not just one. I started thinking, well, it's him, and then it's him. I want to start with three. All three of the pastors I've ever worked for, if you can't fix it, if, if you can't, he'll stop you and say, don't tell me. Don't, don't tell me. You can tell me pray, but I don't need to know the details to pray. You don't. And if you allow somebody to tell you you are facilitating their sin, endangering them and you, I know it sounds hard, I know it's not like, Pastor, how am I supposed to deal with this? I'm not a confrontative person. I, how do I stop somebody? How do I handle this in love without making the person who wants to talk to me feel like a dog? How do I help the person? 
Who wants the gossip? Well, let me give you some, some, some wonderful strategies right out of the Bible. How do we help somebody who just has a desire to talk, a desire to gossip? First, just walk away. Don't be there for it. Walk away. One of my favorite verbs is when you use the word absent like a verb. Absent yourself. Just all of a sudden turn around and he's not there. Rebecca and I, our favorite, both of us had the same professor in college, uh, uh, one of our music professors. And he was a very, he was the most respectful guy. I mean, he was very, he would call, he would call me Mr. Britton. And he, he demanded respect, but he gave respect as the kind of guy he was. But Rebecca graduated and got a job working at the school. And I'm telling you, musicians are the world's worst at talking about people. I'm just, just telling you. And so when she was working in the music department, she just noticed, it just dawned on her one day, that any time somebody else was being talked about, you turn around and look and find Dr. Donahue is gone. He's just not, he wouldn't make a big deal. Well, we've never had that happen. He wouldn't make a big deal out of it. He wouldn't make you. He wouldn't make you feel bad. He wouldn't say you ought to stop that. Uh uh He would just go. I got some place to be. I got something else I need to be doing. Just walk. guys. You don't have to be the king or queen of confrontation. You can just go. I'm out. And just walk off. Look what the Bible says. No temptation is overtaking you except something's common to mankind. Everybody gets it. And God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with every temptation, He will provide an escape route. The way of escape also. So that you'll be able to endure it. Guys, you can always get away. You don't have to confront. You don't have to be ugly. We think of fleeing temptation when it comes to things like sexual sin or flying into anger. We'll flee temptation. But I'm telling you, the Bible says gossip is in the same list as wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, God-hating, and arrogance. That's all in the same list. So run. Flee temptation. Don't be a part of them sinning and don't be a part of you sinning. Just get away. Just walk off. My personal favorite scripture about this, the one time in my life I had to deal with somebody, and I wasn't ugly. I've never thrown, I've never once asked somebody to leave the church. Never. I just don't believe that it's within my purview to, to shut the door of the church. It's not my house, so I can't shut you out. I never would ask somebody to leave the church. But I have told somebody that you can't continue to do that here. Somebody that was being divisive. Somebody that was just always just and setting people against each other. I have told somebody, we'd love to have you stay. But if you're going to stay, that right there has got to stop. That we ain't doing this. And this is the scripture the Lord gave me for it. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there's no gossiper, quarreling quiets down. Is that not a great bit of scripture? 
The Bible says, look, if you ain't got no, no wood to burn, the fire's going to go out. And if you will take the gossiper out of the situation, all of a sudden you get peace. That's good. I love that bit of scripture. I just thought, what a great... And you know, when I told that person, this has been years and years and years ago, I told that person in the church I was serving in at the time, you can't continue to do that here. She got mad. She said, nobody's going to talk to me like that. I said, we love you. We're trying to give you a church that you can come to that you know people aren't talking about you behind your back. Guys, how many of y'all love the unity we have here? How many yeah. of you love the fact that this is not a church where people just, yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of undercurrent and everybody's on eggshells and I hate that kind of stuff. Well, how do you have a church that doesn't have undercurrent? You don't tolerate undercurrent. It's true. But when I told her, you, you, we'd love to have you stay, but if you're going to stay, you want to quit this. She got mad and left. Within a week, all the, I mean, the, the drama just went right out of the situation. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've had a co-worker leave a job situation and when they left, all of a sudden everything panned out and it was better. Some of y'all know, some of y'all have family members that, dear Lord, if they show up for Thanksgiving, you know it's going to be drama city. And if they don't, it's peace. It's just where there's no gossiper, it quiets on down. In order to gossip, the talker has to find a listener. Don't give them any wood. Let the fire go out. Just be somewhere next. Now, this next one, I'm going to just tell you. Don't put it up yet, please, Andrew. I just want to explain this next sermon point to you. I honestly believe, y'all know me, I'm real funny about saying the Lord said. But I believe with my whole heart, as I was praying on this and working on this lesson, the Lord gave me this next one because I'm not this smart. But this is the most wonderful sermon point. And I wish I could take credit for it. I wish I could stand here and say, I thought this up and this is spectacular. But I really do think it was Jesus. How do you tell, don't put it up yet. How do you tell somebody, that's none of your business without being confrontative? How do you tell somebody, you ought not be talking about that now. That's none of your business. You need to hush. How can you tell a person, hush, without telling them, hush? I just love this. Look at what, look at what I felt like the Lord gave me. Tell them it's not your business. Don't tell them it's not their business. Tell them, if, if Cherie were trying to gossip to me, which we all know would never happen. If Cherie were trying to gossip to me, I'm not, I don't have to be confronted, confrontative, and say, you need to hush, you need to quit gossiping, that's not your business. But I can very easily say, you know what, Cherie, what you're trying to tell me, it really may be true, but it's none of my business. I don't need to be in, I don't need to have that information, I don't need to hear this. So I'm just not comfortable. Now, I'm not, you don't even have to say, you need to hush. But how many of y'all know that says you need to hush? <laughs> when I say it's none of my business, what I'm really saying is none of your business. <laughs> but isn't that a great sermon, boy? I just love that. It's like, what a wonderful way to on the backside just tell somebody, you ought not be talking about that. And I'm putting it all on me. I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting it on me. That's not my business. 
I don't need to know that. Uh, it, it really might color my view of that person if I let you tell me anymore. And I love them. And I, I want to be able to pray for them. I want to be able to support them. And you know, what you're saying may be true. But if they get it right with God and they go on, I don't even want the memory of knowing it. So please don't. I don't need to know that. That's not my business. Tell them it's not your business. Not their business. Not your business. Look at what 1 Thessalonians says. Gosh, I love this scripture. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and tend to your own business. <laughs> Y'all, you would have thought I wrote that scripture just for this message. If it, that is the New American Standard Translation of the Bible. But is that not the most wonderful scripture for this message? Make it your life ambition. How many of y'all are old enough that you've had enough drama? I, Lord, I may not be old, but I'm old enough I've had all the drama I want for one lifetime. So watch out here. It is my ambition. It's my it's my aim. It's my goal to lead a quiet life and tend to my business, not your business. And work with your hands, just like we've been teaching you, just like we instructed you. Oh, I just love it. I'm telling you. Y'all, do you see why I, I, I tell you that I think the Lord said this? Because that sermon point is, is perfect. That it's better than I can think of. Don't be confrontational. You don't have to correct them. You just take care of you. And by you taking care of you, there's going to be a real strong implication here that they ought to take care of themselves. Oh, love it. All right, and then last. <coughs> no way to do this without talking about what Jesus himself said. And guys... There are some scriptures that are open to interpretation. And two people might look at it and say, well, you know, I, that could mean this. But there's real evidence that it might mean this. Or it might be somewhere in between that. The scripture we're about to look at, you can't misunderstand it. There's no alternate interpretation. There's no way you can read this and get anything out of it except exactly what Jesus is saying. So if, watch right here. If Jerry hurt my feelings, which is again an impossibility. Jerry's the nicest person I know. If Jerry hurt my feelings and I decide I need to, to just get my allies around me and, and, and just tell people that, how Jerry, that snake Jerry. See, that's why I think Jerry's, because nobody would believe Jerry's a snake. Back up. So I'm going to go to Sheree. And I'm going to say, Pastor Sheree, you would never believe what that Jerry did. That Jerry is a... Well, guys, Jesus specifically said, before you try to come tell me, you go talk to Jerry. Look at the scripture, and I'm going to let Jesus talk for himself. This, See, it's in quotes because it's Jesus saying it. If another believer sins against you, stop right there. Who is in the wrong? They are. Does everybody see that? If another believer sins against you. So all of a sudden, you're in the right, they're in the wrong, correct? Mm -hmm. 
So if they do it and it's their fault, now Jesus is going to tell you what to do about this. Go privately and point out the offense. It doesn't say, go tell three people and, and get their opinion of, don't you think Jerry's a bad person? Can you believe Jerry would say something like that? I tell you, you know, if he'd do it to me, he'd do it to you. I just, we feel the need, guys, to gather our troops. And Jesus said, if, even if you're in the right, let's say you are completely in the right and Jerry's in the wrong. Jesus says, Joseph, you go privately. Well, pastor, I'm not good at confrontation. I just want to take a couple of my friends with me who will side with me. I'm sorry. How do you misunderstand what Jesus is saying here? Jesus says, go privately. Point out the offense. And if Jerry listens and confesses it, you've won Jerry back. If the other person hears you, when you come and say, Jerry, this, this, this really bothered me. This really hurt me. Now, guys, I have lived in three different churches in my life. And this passage is found in Matthew 18. And every church I've ever served in, including this one, we call this Matthew 18-ing somebody. We use Matthew 18 as a verb. And when somebody hurts you, offends you, sins against you, Matthew 18 tells you exactly what you ought to do. And guys, believe me, I, I have been on both ends of this spectrum. I've been sitting in my office and had somebody knock on the door of my office and say, Joseph, I need to Matthew 18 you. And I went. And guys, I had no clue I had been offensive. I had no clue I'd said something. With the amount of things I say, some of y'all don't have any hard time believing that I didn't know everything I've said. But I didn't know I'd hurt their feelings. But they came in privately, didn't go to anybody else. They came in and said, Joseph, when you said this, it really hit me sideways. And off the bat, I appreciated it. I was so grateful they didn't go gather their troops against me. And you know what the first thing I did? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I had no idea I had done that. I know I, I never intended that. I didn't mean that. That's not. I am so, so sorry. And just made, we made it right in that moment. And it was, just, and it was cleared up. We prayed together. It was done. I've also been on the end of, I need to just have a talk with you for just a second. Can Matthew 18 says, I need to come to you. And it's uncomfortable. But hear me say this, guys. This is, the, this is the kicker of this scripture. When I go to Jerry and I say, Jerry, I need to talk to you. Because what you did really hurt me. What I'm in effect saying is, Jerry, I love you. And I value the relationship we have. And you are important to me. And I don't want to lose this friendship. So I'm going to walk through a moment of uncomfortable. Because you're worth it. I love you. And I'm not going to. Guys, how many of y'all know people who have thrown away relationships over nothing? Just little 
stinking stuff that if they'd have done what Jesus said, they could have made it right the moment it happened. But see, it's a thing of value. The reason I go to Jerry is not to make Jerry feel bad or to make Jerry feel like, you idiot, can you believe what you're saying? Stupid stuff. You ought to stop that. No. What I'm saying to Jerry is, you are worth a few moments of me being uncomfortable because I want to keep the relationship I have with you. I love you, man. You're my friend, and let's get past this. And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I don't, I don't think you meant to hurt me. And guys, I, I have lived, honest to goodness, I was trying to count up at least 36, 38 years of my life by this bit of scripture when it comes to relational issues. And I don't think I've ever, maybe once, I've seen it have to go to the next level. Only once. Every other time, the person hears, they work it out, and it's fixed. Jesus said, if somebody sins against you, go privately. Go to them and talk about it. If they hear you, you've won that person back. But, look at what Jesus says now. If you're unsuccessful at that, take one or two others with you to try to salvage the relationship, not to try to prove you're right. Go back again so that everything can be confirmed by two or three witnesses. The implication in the Greek here is take somebody up the chain. I would strongly suggest that if you do have to take two or three people with you because somebody will not hear you, Take your small group leader. Take your life class leader. Take the, one of the pastors from the church. Take one of our elders with you. This is why we exist. Is to help fix relationships. Help fix problems. Take somebody with you. And again, you're trying to salvage the relationship. If the person still refuses to listen to you, take your case to the church. I have never in my life even heard of anybody having to go that far. Look at the next slide. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat them like a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, before your mind jumps to ostracize them and throw them out of the church, think just a second. This is Jesus talking. You tell me, how did Jesus treat tax collectors? See, my whole life, I've thought about this scripture as, well, treat them like a tax collector. Kick them to the curb. But how many of y'all know that's not how Jesus treated tax collectors? See, there's a difference here. And you've got, because there's quotes around this, you have to take into account who is talking. And Jesus saying treat them like a tax collector is a different animal. It's a different animal. Guys, the point of it is, you do not go to other people. You do not and I don't know how to say this other than to say it. If you allow somebody to bypass what Jesus says, you are facilitating their sin. If Jeanette gets really mad at Diane, Janet's just, I mean, ticked at Diane. If she comes to me and tries to tell me before she ever goes to Diane privately like Jesus said do. 
If I allow her to tell me, I am helping her disobey Jesus. Go back to the slide, Andrew, please. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out their offense. Is there any, is there any doubt in anybody's mind what Jesus is trying to say here? And if I, if I facilitate Diane disobeying this direct command, I'm helping her sin. Don't put yourself in that position, guys. Don't put yourself in that position. Now, I've had two pastors, one in Mississippi and one in St. Charles, who handled things like this the exact same way. And I loved it. I loved it personally because it was so effective. Jerry Harris in St. Charles and Ray Mangudo in Mississippi. Both guys would do it the same way. But every once in a while, I would hurt somebody's feelings in the church. And somebody would have an appointment, not with me, but with the pastor. Because the minister of music at the time, that was me, hurt their feelings. And so both these pastors, I loved them. They're such cool guys. But as soon as you came in Jerry Harris's office, and he'd say, sit down. Would you like a bottle of water? No, I'm fine. He's like, and so, soon as they started with, well, I just need to talk to you about Joseph. And I need to tell you what Joseph did. Jerry Harris would just hold his hand up and say, hold on just one second. Hit the buzzer on his phone and say, Joseph, would you step in here just a second? <laughs> now, the person starts crawfishing, backing up. No, 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 I didn't want, to, did not want you to call him. And Jerry Harris... Same as Ray Manguno. Both these guys did the same thing. They said, now Jesus is very clear. You work it out. Y'all are both adult people who both love Jesus. Y'all can work this out. And Jerry Harris would say, I'm going to step out of the office and let the two of y'all talk for a minute. Because Jesus says, I don't need to get in it yet. If y'all can't work it out, I'll help. But for right now, I don't even need to know. And so Jerry Harris would step out, shut the door. And he'd be gone. Ten minutes later, he'd walk back in. By then, it was all fixed. Always. Always. All fixed. Every time I've ever had something like this happen. Now, guys, hear me say this. You need to develop a reputation that people don't come talk to you like that. You can develop a rep. Do you know what? If somebody in this church had something just bad to say about Pastor Sheree. Now, I, now, hear me say this. If Pastor Sheree was getting off into heresy or if she was getting off into sexual sin and somebody knew, and again, this is a ridiculous example. It's why I'm using Sheree. There are people who would go out on their husband, but she ain't one of them. If she's going to sin, she ain't going to do this. I'll tell you that straight up. But if, if it's an, an issue like that, yes, of course, come. But guys, if you just want to grouse about Sheree, how many of y'all know I'm not the person to talk to? I, won't, I don't hear it. And so I live my life in peace because I have proven to most people, if you know me, I'm not a person that you can gossip to. And you need a reputation of if you come to me and you haven't gone to that person I'm going to just say, hold up a second. Have you talked to them? Well, no, I hadn't talked to them first. I was going to talk to you. Well, Jesus says don't. Someone needs you to go talk to them. And I, I'm sorry, I can't hear that right now. I can't hear it yet. 
Now, if they absolutely refuse to hear you, I'm happy to be one of your one or two if you go that level, which you probably won't. But I'm going to need you to stop right there and just go to them. Well, Pastor, I don't know that I could do that. Okay, you tell me how you get around what Jesus told us all to do. If you honestly can't do that, if you can't walk away or tell somebody this is none of my business or tell somebody you ought to do what Jesus told you to do. I, guys, how many of you understand? It is a loving thing to keep people from sinning. It's a loving thing to not facilitate or help another person sin. Hear me say this. If you knew somebody that was a drug addict, but they're a sweet guy. I mean, just a sweet guy. And you really like them. And they asked you. You don't have to pay for it. But would you just pick it up and bring it to me? I, I can't. I, I, my car's broken down. But my dealer is going to meet me at Big Stickies down on Cherry Street. And I just need you to meet him there. It's a guy named Vito. And I need you to pick up. It's just be a brown paper package. And you don't have to pay for it. It's already paid for. I just need you to bring it to me. Don't even look inside. A plausible deniability. Just bring me the package. Are there any of you that would do it? No. But guys, think this through. We will help somebody else get into the sin of gossip that quick. By giving them an ear. And it's a sin. It's a sin to help somebody sin. So, telling people to do what Jesus said to do is the highest form of love there is. It may be a little uncomfortable at first, but what Jesus says to do, guys, always works. And when Jesus tells you to do something, it always works out well. It's real love. And guys, it works in just about every area of your life. In, in your own family, do not allow your kids to come talk to you about stuff that they need to be encouraged to deal with and talk. Guys, you have to teach children, just like you have to teach them to brush their teeth, you have to teach them to deal with open and honest relationships. So help your kids learn. Help them. You know what? Jesus tells us the best way to deal with this is talk to that person. Guys, it works on your job. It'll completely overhaul your work culture. If you are a force at your job that is like, mm, I'm not going to let you, I can't let you just go on talking. And in your church, we aggressively protect the bond of unity because unity brings the commanded blessing. And it sets up an open culture without a bunch of undercurrents. So, as it turns out, guys, the Bible actually works. Amen? Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.